what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. Oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to da or any da. Quote to da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. HD Smartcast. You are listening to a Mint production. Brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Capital Calculus, the show which focuses on the intersection of politics and economics, something that is critical in democracies like India, especially in influencing what the little guy gets or does not get. Every week, this show will explore this intersection to try and give you a fresh perspective on the week that was. I am your host, Anil Padmanabhan. Last week, the foreign ministers of India and China met in Moscow. They declared a truce, promised to end the brinksmanship. All good. But the obvious question is whether this will hold up. To be honest, the odds are stacked against it. For one, there is no sign of de-escalation. Second, the history of Chinese perfidy, doublespeak and record against India makes them hard to trust. So the India-China face-off is not an easy nut to crack. Lots of questions, very few answers. Exactly why I spoke to Nitin Gokhale. He's a long-time fellow journalist specializing in strategic affairs, has authored half a dozen books on military history, insurgencies and wars. He now owns and runs two digital platforms, BharatShakti.in and StratNewsGlobal.com, both on strategic affairs. I began by asking him on his thoughts about the Moscow truce. Well, uh, certainly it's good news uh, given the very high tensions on the border and uh, it's never a good idea to have uh, troops uh, well-armed and uh, well-acclimatized facing each other, not uh, too far away from each other. So uh, certainly, yes, uh, it's uh, good news to begin with. But the big question is, will this truce hold up? Remember. We have had three firing incidents in the last 20 days along the line of actual control. Well, I'm slightly skeptical about it holding up. Uh, in fact, uh, I, my sense is because nothing has happened in the past uh, week or so, uh, it's all very quiet. So I uh, sometimes feel uh, as somebody who's you know, looked at this uh, even from the ground, that uh, is it a lull before the storm, uh, will China attempt uh, some quid pro quo, as they call it in the military parlance, that they will go and occupy some unheld areas, uh, India having done that on 29th, 30th August, before they agree on the core commander level meeting dates. That something uh, cannot be ruled out because uh, clearly uh, the PLA hasn't come in such large numbers and uh, for such a long time, now almost four months, over four months in fact go back uh, without extracting some concessions. So that's my worry. The weather clock is running down. No? They are really sub-zero temperatures where the both these sides are arranged against each other. So is that good news or bad news? Meaning 
will it force the hand of china like you uh, rightly just pointed out they are desperate for uh, results so do you see that this could go the other way instead of them retreating it could go the other way because uh, remember uh, every time there has been an action and 62 uh, war actually was initiated on 20th october 1962 uh, because uh, the campaigning season as they call it in uh, those places is essentially until mid november then the window closes so this is actually a very tricky time and a period for uh, india uh, because it has to be completely on guard uh, against any Chinese uh, advance or uh, attack or an offensive action because this is the only time they can do it. Later it will become uh, very difficult post-15 uh, November. So we are speaking uh, mid-September. So essentially there are two months uh, window uh, that the Chinese have. Now whether they will utilize this to uh, de-escalate, disengage or they will uh, come and occupy some unheld places and then uh, sit through the winter for uh, the negotiations to resume post-winter or during the winter for as a bargaining chip. That's something that uh, worries uh, Indian planners. It will be prudent at this stage to try and understand the Chinese psyche. Very important when you're dealing with them. For this, I drew on an earlier interview with Gautam Bambawale, a former ambassador to China. Gautam laid it out bare for us. Let me try to answer it in a manner which will bring out the differences between the way uh, China thinks and India thinks. Uh, firstly, um, let me say that, you know, one of the founding principles of India's philosophy as a civilization is what is referred to as Vasudeva Kutumbakam, that the world is one family. So we believe that the world is one family and that we should get along with this family, different parts of the family, different family members. In fact, uh, you know, uh, this kind of philosophy also led to India being colonized by the British and we becoming a colony of British imperialism. On the contrary, the Chinese philosophy can be summarized in the name of China. The country China in Chinese is called Chungo which is roughly translated as middle kingdom or middle country. So the Chinese idea is that they are the middle of the world. They are the middle of the earth and everything revolves around them. So they have a very uh, self-centric view of everything. They have a very selfish view of everything if you want. And they are totally self-absorbed. So you can see that there are two differing philosophies of our two different civilizations and now of our two different nation states. And I think it is very important for people in India to realize that uh, there are these differences which can explain many things on the ground. From Gautam, we understood the logic behind China's aggression. It doesn't mean we agree with the Chinese. It is probably the right time to get an expert like Nitin to weigh in on the downside risks of this face-off especially if the impasse is unresolved. There are two armed armies and no one willing to blink. A number of questions that we want answered. If indeed there's a conflict, how will it play out? Will it remain localized or degenerate into a broader conflict? Listen in. No, I don't think there's a risk of degenerating into a larger battle. 
essentially because uh, what china actually wants if you look at uh, the behavior of the pla troops and the pattern of deployment since uh, may it is essentially uh, to coerce india militarily intimidate uh, indian forces by uh, deploying in large numbers bringing in artillery and tanks in broad daylight and then deploying them uh, indiscriminately uh, military observers tell me those who are deeply into this that uh, the chinese deployments uh, make no attempt to camouflage their positions or uh, you know even hide what they have brought so essentially it's more a demonstration of the force and the platforms that are available to them and they they thought that india will back down or india will back down uh, by show of force which hasn't happened and uh, i always say this that the chinese are very good at set pieces uh, meaning uh, if we take a footballing analogy then uh, they are good at taking free kicks dead ball uh, but uh, when the opponent starts uh, dribbling or uh, doing unexpected moves then uh, they are at a loss uh, to respond or uh, evolve strategies therefore uh, it, this is something that uh, they are currently facing uh, that's their dilemma right now where does it leave pakistan are they going to use this moment to get adventurous well they might want to uh, but uh, they do not have the uh, stomach for uh, doing this they might do some maneuvers here and there but i think they have been bottled up pretty well so do you think they were surprised in their gaming of what india would do or not do oh indeed they are uh, surprised uh, because even if uh, they uh, were testing india's uh, resolve as well as uh, preparedness they were not prepared for uh, such a quick uh, response and what is called now mirror deployment if they have uh, assuming they have brought in 20000 people all across eastern ladakh india has got maybe uh, similar numbers uh, on india's side of the lac and uh, the quickness with which these people were deployed uh, has certainly surprised them and more than anything else i think the galwan uh, clash which was a premeditated attack on indian uh, unsuspecting indian soldiers uh, and the ferocity of the uh, counter attack by the indians has actually caught them by surprise and it is sending Uh, huge ripples within the pla you follow uh, strategic affairs very closely so i am sure it's not just india and china every country in the world must be following this conflict because they must be also gaming the strengths and weaknesses of both sides you know kind of sizing them up because it's a great opportunity do you agree or how do you see that oh no of course uh, this this is uh, going to be a seminal moment in a way in geopolitics uh if you uh, recall what happened in 2017 on a smaller scale at uh, dolam or doklam as it is more popularly known as uh, when india uh, sort of stood up and uh, forced uh, china to withdraw after 72 days of the standoff uh, i think the smaller nations uh, took the cue in southeast asia in south asia and uh, of course the, the west uh, analyzed it Uh, that india has a new policy and i uh, sort of encapsulated it in one sentence uh, resolute on the border and reasonable in diplomacy has been india's approach uh, since then or even before that in 2014 uh, when there was another standoff in southeastern ladakh uh, when president xi was visiting india 
uh, in, on his first visit. First, uh, yeah, that was his first visit to India. So that uh, was there. So they are certainly, I think, uh, military planners, strategists, uh, analysts, universities, think tanks. Everybody is watching. All other militaries are watching the way India is responding and India is standing up to uh, the challenge that has been posed by China. So I think it's a fascinating time for uh, those who watch uh, this space. And it's not ending so soon, despite the initial promise. So you heard Nitin. The problem with China will not go away soon. There's an obvious downside. The longer this impasse persists, more the risks of a violent conflict. Hardly the desirable distraction for either country. And spare a thought for the soldiers. Holding up in such inclement weather conditions, which will only worsen as the winter sets in. As the aggressor, the ball is in China's court. It has to ask itself whether all of this is worth it. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Do share your feedback and ideas. You can reach me on Twitter at Capital Calculus or on Facebook and Instagram at HT Smartcast. I'll be back next week with a new episode of Capital Calculus. Till then, stay safe. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.